We are in the last lesson of the series, He Calls Me Friend, and this has been a fun series for me. Uh, it's been a challenging series for me, but we, we've been consistently talking about this idea of friendship, and I think today is just a great day for us to close out this series, as today is the launch of the summer semester of life groups. And, and sometimes people say to me, all my friends are non-Christians, and so I say to them, join a life group and make some friends who are Christians. Yeah. It's mind-blowing, the wisdom that just flows in this place. You have to intentionally put yourself in a place where you can build relationship, and that relationship turns into friendships. That's why we're intentional about it. It's why we do this on purpose. It's not by accident. You and I were not created to live life alone. We were created to live life with others. And some of the greatest relationships we'll have in life are people who we will call friends. So what are friends? They are non-sexual, mutually affectionate, and beneficial relationships. They are people that we like who like us too. Shocking and true. I know when that whenever my, my, my friends call and they, their name comes up on my phone, I kind of smile and, and I look forward to hitting answer or accept, whatever that word is on there. I hit the green button. <laughs> if, if, if when you call, it's always the red button, then you'll know you're not my friend. The, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a joke. <laughs> I'm going to be tested on that this week, I promise you. We answer the calls of our friends. We answer the needs of our friends. We, we like them and they like us too. It's a relationship that benefits our life. God himself created us to want and desire friendships. He wants and desires friendships. The scripture says in James chapter 23, and so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of of God. That's been our launching scripture throughout this uh, series. It, it, Abraham, through Isaiah, was called the friend of God. God desired that friendship. He was affectionate toward Abraham, and Abraham was affectionate toward God. And so God said, I want you as my friend. He went after Abraham. He was intentional about pursuing him. And I say that God wants to be your friend and he wants to be my friend. And I can say that because of what Jesus said when he was on his way to the cross. We can't just make stuff up. We have to use scripture to, to validate what it is that we're saying. And if what we're saying doesn't align with scripture, then it's us that's wrong and scripture that's right. So what did Jesus say? Jesus said, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. He said, you are my friends if you do what I command. And we've been talking through this. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. And so he's given us up to now three rules of friendship. And today we're going to talk about the fourth. Rule one was friends, friendship is intentional. It's on purpose. Rule number two is that friendship is reciprocal. It goes both ways. It's not just one way. It's both ways. Third rule of friendship is that friends are trustworthy. So last week we went from talking about the concept 
of the institution of friendship to talking about the individuals within the friendship. So if you're going to call someone a friend, you need to know that they are trustworthy. And then today, rule number four is that friends sharpen a friend. Friends sharpen a friend. Now, God had this, a, a king of Israel whose name was Solomon. Solomon was the son of David. God loved David and said, I'm going to make your, your lineage go on and on. In fact, Jesus was in the line of David. So Jesus was a great, 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 grandson of David. Well, David has David had a son who became king after him named Solomon. And when Solomon was given the throne, he he prayed that night, and and God spoke to him and said, "What do you need from me, Solomon?" And Solomon said, I ask you for one thing. I I need wisdom, wisdom to be able to lead your people well. And God was so pleased with that request that he made Solomon the wisest man to ever live before or since. That's what scripture tells us. And so Solomon shares some of that wisdom with you and I in the book called Proverbs. And in the book of Proverbs, Solomon is sharing wisdom, and it is so life-transforming that even people who are not Christians will read the book of Proverbs to get the wisdom that comes from it. I I met a man years ago, a a businessman, pretty strong businessman, and I asked him, I I like to ask people questions about how they operate and what they do and how they think. And and he said, he he told me he was not a Christian. He said, I don't, I'm not a Christian, but I read the book of Proverbs uh, from the beginning to the end every month. I read it every single month because there's so much wisdom there that it really has benefited my life. And I have, I I have to admit that I questioned him quite a bit on why he thought the wisdom was so amazing and yet did not think the God of the wisdom was real. But he said, it's amazing. So Solomon shares this wisdom with us. And in chapter 27, he mentions a friend a few times. Proverbs 27 verse 17 is our text for today where he says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So last week we talked about the fact that trustworthiness is indispensable in friendship. How many agree with that? You've got to be trustworthy to be a friend. Those who didn't raise their hand, I'm suspicious of you right now. <laughs> so just as trustworthiness is an absolute necessity in friendship, so is the ability to sharpen one another. God designed sharpening to be part of friendships. And I want to be a sharpener of my friends, and I want to be one who can receive the sharpening of my friends. And today I have three thoughts for us. And thought number one is this, that friends proactively prepare you for your purpose. We all have a purpose for which we are created. We've talked about that. And, and I told you early on, one of the issues that I have with friendships is that in my life, I've discovered that if a friend is not aligned with my purpose, then that friendship, that relationship does not last very long. It must be aligned with my purpose. And so a friend proactively prepares you 
for your purpose. They do it before it's necessary. They get you ready for your purpose before your purpose may even be revealed. Have you, have you ever tried to use a dull hatchet or a dull axe or a dull knife? It's very frustrating because you know what it's designed for and you're even doing the thing that it's designed to do, but it's just not very effective. It's hard work. It's a lot of effort for just a little bit of a result. That's because the tool isn't sharpened or prepared for its purpose. It's the same thing in our own lives. Dull things are ineffective. And when we are dull, we're ineffective in our purpose. When our, when our edge is blunted by life, by circumstance, by struggle, by turmoil... Because even when I'm using this hatchet for its intended purpose, as I use it over and over and over, its use will cause it to dull. And it needs something outside of itself to make it per useful again. Make it, make it easy again. Make it effective again. You and I have to be sharp in order to do the thing that God's called us to do. We need to be sharp mentally. We need to be sharp intellectually. We need to be sharp spiritually. We need to be sharp relationally. We need to be sharp in life in order to be able to do what we're called to do. And friends do that for us. Friends sharpen us. See, every one of us as, as a church and as believers, we all have the same goal. The goal is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is the purpose of the church. That's the purpose of every believer, to duplicate themselves as a disciple, to lead others into discipleship within Christ Jesus. And so we must be sharp in order to be able to do that. And we, we do it in different spheres. We do it in different ways. Some of us reach the world through business. You're, you're, you're doing business, and the business that you're in, the relationships that you're building, you're revealing Christ in those businesses. You're, you're teaching people about Christ within the context of the business, how you act, how you operate, how you speak, how you interact with them. The customers that you have, the employees that you have. And yes, even the way that you support the kingdom of God through your tithe and offering. All of those things are part of it. It might be building a family and raising kids. Maybe that's how you're building and making disciples. I think it's amazing how uh, the Coles, uh, Pastor Benton and Lindsey Cole, they, their son Gavin was playing the drums this morning for the first time in the sanctuary and he did an awesome job. Amen? I love seeing our young, our young people involved in what's going on here in the sanctuary and in the church at large. And, and so the, the Cole family is expanding the kingdom of God and building disciples just by having children, which is why I'm happy to announce they're going to have five or six more in order to continue to build and grow the church. It's very exciting. You should ask them about it after service. Maybe it's leading in the community. Maybe it's different types of ministry. We're all pursuing our purpose. And friends help you do that. 
They either help or hurt your progress in your purpose. There's an old saying that says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That's what sharpening does. It prepares you for your purpose. So be consistently ready to respond to your purpose by remaining sharp. But here's the thing about being sharp is that sharpening only happens when there's conflict. Only happens whenever there's conflict. I'm, I'm making this file come into conflict with this hatchet. And in doing so, I'm sharpening this hatchet. I, I'm, I'm making sure that its edge is, is clear and clean and, and right. But, but here's the thing. It has to be in conflict because if everything is going the same way, nothing happens. There, there's no sharpening going on. And, and we make a mistake in life whenever we make sure that all of our friends, they just think the way we do and, and, and operate the way we do. And they're, they're all absolutely, in a, I mean, we, we don't disagree with one another at all. We just all say the same thing and, and think the same thing. And if you don't think the way that I do, then you're not my friend. And and we have a whole society, a whole culture right now that says that if you don't think the way I do and support everything that I want to do, how I want to do it, with whom I want to do it, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, then you cannot be my friend. In fact, I will cancel you from my life. And what happens is we become duller and duller and duller. You wonder why our culture is the way that it is right now, is that we have become dulled to the things of God. We've become dulled even within what makes in some ways common sense, it seems, within our society and culture. In Chicago recently, they uh, unveiled their new Walmart or some, uh, no, Rite Aid or something. I don't remember what store it was. There's only two aisles that are not un behind locked doors because uh, there's have so much theft, so much theft that, that they have... They've just redone the whole store to where you can steal from these two aisles everything else you have to go through an employee to get to. And you wonder, how does that make any sense for the employer or for the customer or for the store or anybody? It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. But society has become dull. Because we don't want anybody to have, be in conflict with the way we think or the way we do anything. And we just keep getting duller and duller and duller. We lose our edge. But one of the reasons why we don't like disagreement, we don't like people to confront us with our issues, to say that, hey, stealing is wrong. And if you do it, there will be a punishment. And I'm just using that because it's an easy one. We all kind of agree that when you steal from us, it's wrong. Is that right? Okay. So... We kind of agree on that particular thing, and it's an easy one, so society continues to say, but, but we say, I, I, I don't like it when somebody disagrees with me. I don't like it when somebody confronts me. And this is where friendship becomes so important. Because when a friend hurts us with their words, uh, years ago, Christy and I, 
uh, just got married and I had been preaching around and different churches and, and Christy went with me to the fir- for the first time to, to go preach at this church and I preached and we got in the car and we were driving home and, and she said, I said, hey, how did I do? She said, fine. And we drove home and the next time we went to a church and I preached and I said, hey, how did I do? She said, you did fine. I said, no, 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 no. I need you to tell me how well I did. I want to know how I did because it's the only way I'm going to get better. I need you to tell me how I do whenever I speak so that I can get, become a better and better speaker. And so we went to the next church. And at the end of the service, we got in the car and I looked at her and I said, how did I do? She said, do you really want to know? <laughs> I said, yeah. And then she took out a notebook that I didn't know she had. And she opened it to page number one. She said, you said, um, 37,306 times. You said, uh, 3,000 times. Your point number three didn't make any sense whatsoever. And I have no idea what to do with the information that you've given us. And so in general, I think it was okay. I mean, you, it, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't very good either. And we rode home for three hours in silence. (laughs) I didn't like that conflict. But go back and listen to 15, 20 sermons that I've preached and count how many times I've said uh or um or didn't make any sense. Okay, don't, don't, don't (laughs) leave that one out. Uh and um, we'll leave it at that. Because a friend sharpens the friend. She wounded me. But here's what the scripture says. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. An enemy will kiss you a thousand times and watch you die. But a friend will wound you kind of like a surgeon where they, they have to create the wound in order to cut out the infection or remove the problem. But they're doing it because they want to bless you. They're helping you even though it hurts. It hurts. And thought number three is this. Sharpening requires prioritizing your purpose. And it really is all about purpose. Purpose is a huge part of friendship. In fact, I told you at the beginning of this series, I said it's, it's in, in tough for me to preach this series because purpose is such a big part of my life that I've discovered that if, if somebody is not aligned with my purpose, the relationship just does not last very long. And so... I have relationships all over the world. That's not the problem. But they're all aligned with my purpose. And you you say, well, why is that important? Well, it's because if a friend is not aligned with my purpose, then instead of sharpening me, they they might do the same exact motion and have the same exact intention. But just, just watch this. They're going at a different angle. And now, instead of sharpening me, They're killing the edge of my life. And you say, well, what if they're not just entirely destroying the edge? I had somebody in the first service said, when you started doing that, it hurt me. But what about if they're not destroying my... Sometimes people are so misaligned with your purpose that they're sharpening the wrong edge of your life. And suddenly you discover that They're actually making it harder for you to do what you're called to do. And they're not even 
I mean, th- this, this is pointless. It's still conflict. But it's not taking you anywhere. So that's why we are so passionate about life groups and getting around people that are aligned with your purpose. You say, so in life groups, does everybody just agree with everybody? No. There should be a good exchange of ideas along the topic of conversation. We have life groups that study books of the Bible. We have life groups that play sports together. We have life groups that walk and exercise together. We have life groups that walk and have discussions together. We have a life group that's starting this semester that I'm excited about. It's a life group that is, uh, I think they're called uh, Faithful Fabricators, that they're actually uh, partnering with the Ability Center to be able to create on 3D printers, create a, uh, a switch that goes on wheelchairs to help disabled people with their, with their needs. How awesome is that? And they get to build relationship at the same time. See, it's not about always agreeing on every little thing. It's about always going in the same direction, having the same purpose. So today, I'm going to call our uh, prayer partners to come forward right now, if you would. And in a moment, I'm going to dismiss you, but I'm going to dismiss you directly to the gym. I'm going to ask you not to go to your to pick up your kids they're still in their lessons that's what happens whenever the preacher in this church preaches so short I give you that it's rare but it's happening right now but I'm asking you to to go look at life groups not because you just don't have anything else to do but because you are intentionally looking for those who can sharpen you and who you can sharpen. We don't need need each other to be saved. We need each other to be strong. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your work in our life. And I'm asking you that you would open up our lives to the right relationships. Those friends that can sharpen us, develop us, and make us more effective in the purpose for which we are called, for which we are created in the awesome name of Jesus. And if that's your prayer, would you just say amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me.